Welcome to episode 45 of Contested Catch. We're back for our week three recap, our waiver wire coverage for week four, and of course, talking some fantasy football storylines as we're wrapping up the first, uh, I don't know, I guess, fifth of the season, I suppose. Um, Of course, I am joined by our lovely co-host, beautiful brown hair, lovely blue eyes, headphones, (laughs) blue eyes. (laughs) <laughs> and a shirt, but also in uh, a new era, a new uh, s- setting, I guess, today, Jeff, you've returned home. I did. Yeah, I uh, flew back to the 585 uh, Rochester yesterday. Just get out of the city for a little bit. I got to say, if if the Bills start losing Just the be- moment you oh, re-enter man. New York, oh, you got to get out. <laughs> you got to yeah, get out. I will. Right. Well, it's only going to be for only going to be here for two games. So, OK. Good stuff. Well, how are how are you doing? How was uh, how was the week for you? I mean, my fantasy team's three and zero. You Tough are, to, and the bills and the bills are three and zero. Like, what else could I ask for? <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's just not even bring up mine. Your, your team until you may or may season. not be the inverse of your record. <laughs> 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 I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting murdered right now. I mean, it's just I I lost by eighteen to the high score or second high score of the week. And again, and I was outscored defense and kicker by 30 points. So, you know, those aren't factored in. I win handily. Um, Anyway, let's let's move on. Uh, I think the important thing we can actually kind of use my situation as an example here and and it'll come into play. But basically, I would say that as we finished up week three, we're now in week four. We are entering officially by low territory. And this is one of my favorite parts of fantasy football. I think Jeff and I did a really good job of covering this last year in 2019. Um, But identifying buy low candidates and going after them, it's fun, it's lucrative, and it's easier than people think. I think people think that buying low sounds good as an idea, but it's harder in practice. But it's especially worthwhile to look at teams that have struggled so far. So take my team, for instance. Um, You know, I can't afford to wait on a could-be stud or a could-be wide receiver after starting one and two or oh and three in a certain league. Um, and and you should know that. So when you're offering something, you can play off, man, you know, how many weeks is it going to take for J.K. Dobbins to pan out? I can give you, you know, this is not a realistic trade, but let's just go with it. James Robinson right now, because, you know, he's producing. Obviously, that's, you know, way lopsided in the James Robinson favor. But the point is that team that is struggling does not have the ability to sit back and wait. And the inverse is obviously... True as well. Selling high uh, is, a, is an important thing to consider as well. When you sell high while buying low, I think it's a great strategy because you could sell high on James Robinson and buy low on Joe Mixon. I mean, that's pro- a possible trade at this point uh, based on what both have done in, in through three weeks. So it's definitely something worth considering, and we're going to be here to help you targets for these types of moves. But I think also it's really important to come to think about how we're coming up with these. So learning the process allows you to apply for yourself and probably find candidates that we didn't even mention. And so with all that said, we'll be doing a weekly episode on buys and sells using our rock score or the receiver opportunity composite score. Uh, obviously, we've been talking about a lot this summer and the season so far uh, to help you identify value and show you how you can use that tool. So I'll be joined by our fantasy football contributor, Kyle Singer. For those episodes and we're excited to get him in here for that kyle is a stud i think you'll all really enjoy his contributions and i think you're going to enjoy hearing us talk through the rock every week so if you haven't yet go to contestedcatch.com forward slash rock roc to see that tool for yourself and jeff um what else do we have coming up this week we've got the contested catch up 
Did you read the contested catch up this week? I did. You sent it to me to uh, proofread. I did indeed. Uh, I think that that is going to be a fun uh, weekly read for people. Um, there's a little humor in there, but you know, most importantly, we're trying to make it a concise, jam-packed with info uh, read on Thursday morning. So if you haven't yet, you can go to contestacatch.com and sign up for the newsletter. It comes out Thursday mornings. It'll have a Thursday night football preview. We'll talk about The Rock. We'll do a bunch of stuff in there, and it's good stuff. So, Jeff, I want to move on to our first segment here, and that is, of course, we might have our first COVID outbreak in the NFL. Um, Tennessee saw eight positive tests this week. I think five were personnel and three were players. Uh, it's it's jeopardized now uh, two games, Minnesota versus Houston and Pittsburgh versus Tennessee. Both games are obviously slated for this weekend. There's a chance they're moved to Monday night if things stay contained. Uh, this is a very fluid situation. Obviously, we're talking about this on a Tuesday. But um, how are you playing the situation, Jeff? If if any of your teams are you know consists of players from from those uh, from those teams, um, I mean honestly, I'm just not really sure. There's much you can do. I think if they have to cancel the game, it's most likely that this just ends up becoming their bye week. So you just have to, from a you know fantasy manager standpoint, just adapt, move their bye week. If you have I don't know Corey Davis, Johnny Smith. Juju Smith-Schuster, okay, you just need to be ready to adjust. Hopefully, um, you have depth. If not, maybe you have to go on the waiver wire and be a little bit more aggressive this week. But, I mean, the NFL doesn't know what they're doing, so all you can do as a manager is just kind of try and be prepared and react when possible. Well said. Um, Let's just say, hypothetically, this is complete speculation. I have no idea who might have tested positive in Tennessee. But let's just say it's, um, I don't know. Derrick Henry. John who's, <laughs> not one we'll said Derrick Henry. Let's pretty, say it's John pretty sure, John, pr- pretty sure Derrick Henry would scare the virus away. <laughs> I think you're right. I think he's immune. Um, let's say it's John Smith. And he, you know, supposedly tests positive. I'm not even sure that that information would come out. But if he went on the COVID list, per se, how does that change your perception of a player's value if they potentially were exposed, if they did test positive, if they go on the COVID list? I mean, if they go on the COVID list, it's basically like being in a uh, two to three week injury. Hopefully you can stash them in your in IR spot and just fill it in, especially if it's like tight end. I mean, that's just a graveyard anyway. So, you know, back to the waiver wire. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, speaking of the wavy wire, well, uh, well transitioned the wave, there, the Jeff. Wavy, the wavy wire? The, the wavy wire, baby. Uh, we're going to start with running backs. And I think Sexy Rexy is the first guy we got to talk about here. He's probably uh, he's probably the hottest name for um, running backs this week. And he's available in 71% of the leagues. He's good for about one boom game a year. And I think we just saw it in week three. He rushed six times for 49 yards, two touchdowns, caught seven balls, 49 yards, and a touchdown. He was the engine through which the Patriots offense ran this week. Um, now, it's also worth saying, Sony Michelle, I'm I'm not making this up, had a few explosive runs in week three. He ran nine times, 117 yards. I think he had two 30-plus yard runs. Both were career highs. Um, but Burkhead was the best player for New England this week. That includes everyone. Um, I, you know, I think this had a lot to do with James White's continued absence for personal reasons. When will that end? I do not know. I don't think anyone can say. Um, I think if you need a flex or running back this week, you can do worse than Burkhead, but I would not expect rest of season utility 
uh, out of Rex Burkett. Jeff, do you agree with this assessment? Yeah, I wouldn't be rushing out to spend more than a handful of dollars on him this week. I mean, I think for one to two week fill in, Carlos Hyde is a better play anyways because um, it's better offense and he'll be the you know lead back for Seattle as opposed to some committee in uh, uh, New England. So I, I like Carlos Hyde better for a couple of weeks anyways. And yeah, when James White comes back and Damian Harris, like I don't think we're really going to see anything more than, you know, emergency usage out of Burkhead. Yep. And Damian Harris is likely to return soon from the uh, short-term IR. It looked like he was the best bet um, going into the season uh, for the lead role before injuring his finger and landing on IR. So he's, I think he's worth a speculative ad if you can afford it, because I think there is a chance that he t- runs away with this, uh, as the lead running back. However, who knows with New England, honestly. Uh, not not to mention the fact that Cam Newton is actually the RB1 in that in that <laughs> offense. Um, Jeff, who is 35 years old, the GOAT, and 12th in rushing yards through three weeks? I'm going to guess Frank Gore. It's not Frank Gore. No, Darn. no, no. It is Adrian motherfucking Peterson, baby. Uh, available in 64% of leagues. He had 22 carries in week three. Now, this was um, an acquisition I think was worth making uh, from week one after week one when he saw some pretty damn good usage. But Jeff, I mean, he has relegated Karrion Johnson. That's not that surprise. He has relegated DeAndre Swift, the 35th overall pick, to a complete change of pace, like maybe once in a blue moon receiving back. Um, Peterson has uh, 40 three carries through three weeks and he's not you know he had 6.6 yards per carry in the first week 5.9 in the second week 3.4 last week he's not getting much receiving use but i mean if is is adrian peterson like approaching flex maybe even rb2 value at this point yeah but i think he's also a bit game script dependent you know deandre swift was leading the that backfield in um snaps through the first two games and they were playing from behind now week three there in a positive game script most of the game against Arizona and Peterson's the lead back. So I really think he's a uh, game script dependent flex option. And then almost like the opposite game script dependent for DeAndre Swift. I completely agree with that assessment. I think Adrian Peterson's worth an ad if he's out there for you, but I don't think anyone should be like selling off guys so that they can fit Adrian Peterson in their, in their lineup. Um, it's exciting to me as a fan of his uh, that he is still doing well, uh, well up in th- well up there in years now. Um, moving on to wide receivers now, Jeff. Justin Jefferson, man named after you. Uh, 62% available in ESPN leagues. He's definitely the hot name this week after posting seven catches, 175 yards, and a touchdown on nine targets and taking over the wide receiver two role in Minnesota. Now, Jeff, I'm, I know what you're thinking. Like, where is this coming from? Well, I worry, too. Because this is a situation that I don't think he can produce consistently in, uh, considering Stephon Diggs is the much better player at this point in their careers. And he not much has changed since Diggs struggled with consistency and volume last year. But at the same time, Justin Jefferson saw 54% air yard share in week three. Now, I think it was a slight down week for Adam Thielen. For whatever reason, he wasn't as prominently used. But Jefferson was a slot magnet or was it a slot um, weapon in weeks one and two, switched out to more outside that relegated Ola B.C. Johnson uh, out of the starting lineup, and Chad Beebe's the new slot wide receiver. So is Justin Jefferson all of a sudden uh, on your radar as someone you want to target on the waiver wire? 
on my radar, but I'm not rushing out to break the piggy bank or anything, you know, like seven, ten percent roughly. Um, you know, I, I think I actually like Brandon Ayuk. Um, I would I would rather spend more more on him than I would Jefferson. And then at value, I also prefer T. Higgins. Obviously, I think Jefferson deserves a little bit more of a fat bid, but anticipating what he's actually going to go for, I would rather get Higgins at what he's likely to go for. Yeah, I, I th- we're, g- we're going to transition to uh, T. Higgins next, but I think with Jefferson, it's like, do you really expect him to be better in the same situation than Stephon Diggs was worse, last year? Worse situation, I think. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. T. Higgins, not available in 91% of leagues is the preferred target. He had three red zone targets in week three, 10 targets overall, 20, 22% target share, 37% air yard share, and overall among all pass catchers in the NFL, Jeff, he was fifth in air yards in week three. Now, A.J. Green wasn't injured. He isn't going away just yet, but is it safe to say that T. Higgins has emerged as at least the number three passing option? And, I mean, at cost, would you prefer T. Higgins over A.J. Green right now? I mean, Higgins is just fab. I'd have to trade for AJ Green. So yeah, um, yeah, I, th- I do think he's probably in the top three with. I mean, it's Green, Boyd, and Higgins. John Ross's career in Cincinnati seems to be over. So he was a healthy scratch, and Auden Tate and the other Michael Thomas are not going to be really s- supplanting either one of those top three. So um, you know, I, I don't know, you know. Uh, how much or if you'll be able to really rely on him, but he could. I mean, look, this was one of the best players in college at Clemson. Like, in, in he, there's the stylistic matchup or you know chemistry we saw with Burrow yesterday, and he was making good plays. So yeah, I think he could definitely evolve into the you know number one or like one B option since he's oh, especially over this back half of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Boyd looks to be the like number one option for for Joe Burrow in the sense that he's going to probably lead the team in targets most weeks, I would guess, based on the way this offense is trending. But at the same time, you know, AJ Green saw stupid volume through the first two weeks and did nothing with it. T Higgins actually produced in his first week of real volume. I think there's a chance that we actually see changing the guard. It could be premature, but I mean, AJ Green's like we talked about last week, AJ Green was not in game shape coming into the season. Maybe he's just old. Um, Jeff, can I interest you in some Greg Ward? 72 yards and a touchdown in week three on 11 targets, and he looked to be the top wide receiver in Philadelphia. Deshaun Jackson, guy we talked a good bit about, has only seen only saw four targets in week three. And only 60 air yards for Greg Ward, though, spells a little bit of concern that maybe he's just that o, uh, low A dot target that it looks better than it actually is. Wentz has looked rough. I mean, could he be a desperation flex? I don't know. What are your thoughts on Greg Ward on the waiver wire? I'm not really interested um, for basically like all those negative reasons that you laid out. Um, and then you throw in that Alshon Jeffrey should be coming back soon. You know, you're looking at a limited shelf life with him anyways. Fair enough. Um, he's only he's available in almost every league in the SBN. He's available in 99.4% of leagues. So I would say if you don't rush out and get him, I think you're probably going to be fine to get get another crack at it next week um, if he if he goes off again. Um, moving on to tight ends now, Jeff. Does Jimmy Graham all of a sudden have relevance after popping with Nick Foles coming into the game? I mean, he's available in 83% of leagues. He, you can you probably have a good chance to get him. 
six for 60 and two touchdowns on nine targets. Uh, and three quarters of that work came after the switch to Foles. I got to say, man, I mean, I, I totally I think the stock for every bear basically goes up with Nick Foles coming in. Jimmy Graham, all of a sudden, I mean, in a pretty depleted tight end area, looks to be a good ad. What do you think? I'm not that interested, but I guess you could do worse. Um, you know, keep in mind, this was also a pretty bad Atlanta Falcons defense that they were going up against, and they just imploded in classic Atlanta fashion. So um, yeah, I think we should pump the brakes a little bit, but you could do worse. Okay, fair enough. Well, how about Dalton Schultz, uh, who is the new starting tight end in Dallas? He made week two look not so fluky after he followed up that nine for 88 in a touchdown, 10 target performance with four for 48 on six targets this week. Um, I think the week three results, the 48 yards, uh, are much more in his wheelhouse, but he's a cheap share of this offense and available in 65% of leagues. So, Jeff, is Dalton Schultz maybe someone that you have your eye on if you uh, need to replace Dallas Goddard. Yeah, I like Dalton Schultz. I think I like him more than Graham because we know that the Dallas offense is going to be good and putting up points week in and week out. So even that four for 48 line, if that's just kind of what he's getting and then you play touchdown roulette, I mean, that's better production than what you're going to get out of most tight ends. One more player I want to mention for the tight end position is someone we mentioned briefly last week. And again, bring him up is Mo Ali Cox. Um, I think especially with the between the Michael Pittman injury and the Paris Campbell injury, even though Jack Doyle's back, I think um, Mo is going to be locked into some pretty solid volume in Indianapolis. Do you have any other uh, any other waiver wire guys you want to bring up this week? Um, no, I think we hit them all. I would just say if you're in like a really deep super flex league, honestly, it might be worth uh, stashing Jalen Hurts. Let's go, baby. Um, yeah. You know, we're we're big Jalen Hurts guys here. I think I think Carson Wentz is is a good quarterback. I think he's had a terrible start to the season. I don't think he's had a lot of help for another year now, but at this at some point, dude, you gotta be able to produce. And the other thing is we're starting to see Jalen Hurts pick up more and more snaps. He fumbled the handoff with Miles Sanders um in week three. I do think that Jalen Hurts is going to um have a more and more prominent role though. Maybe in you know, still in a gadget situation, but for the time being, I think they want to get him some some looks on the field. Um, Jeff, I think it's time to move on to our fantasy football storyline section here, and that's going to start with Alvin Kamara. Um, is he the new top dog in fantasy football in 2020, meaning the most valuable player? The best player in, in the NFL. <laughs> I knew that was coming out. I didn't expect it to come out right then, but uh, let, let me paint the picture real quick. This is amazing because the rock score does not account for position. It's something we put right up there. So everyone knows. So running backs typically struggle to make many waves relative to wide receivers and tight ends because they're used less frequently and just generally in less aggressive ways. They oftentimes have negative air yards. Alvin Kamara is the is 24th in rock through three weeks. He is the, he has the 24th best opportunity in the league among all pass catchers. That's including wide receivers and tight ends. I saw Field Yates tweet out that if you removed his rushing production, Alvin Kamara is the PPR wide receiver four. That is unbelievable. Jeff, I, I know your stance already, but let everyone else hear it. You know, you love Alvin Kamara, obviously. Do you really think he is the best player in the NFL? 
Um, I mean, obviously when we're factoring positional value and everything, no, he's not, but like for the running back position, I think he's the most valuable running back. Um, and you know, if you want to, you know, take out positional value, I, for non-quarterbacks, you know, that's a strong argument for him being in the top 10, just like, you know, not looking at positional value. Um, you know, and in regards to fancy football, I think we're seeing what we saw last year when Kamara was out and then new Orleans just started funneling their offense through Michael Thomas. And he was just putting up those insane numbers. We're seeing the opposite. Michael Thomas is out and now they're just following the offense through Alvin Kamara. So especially as long as Thomas is out, like Kamara's just going to be feasting and Drew Brees literally isn't capable of throwing the ball 15 yards downfield. I mean, then that's even more for Alvin just on those line of scrimmage, five yard dump offs. Yeah, man, he's he's second in the league in red zone targets and has a 31% target share through three weeks. That is only behind Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins. That is so absurd for running back to have that on top of his rushing production. So, yeah, man, I think he is the top dog for sure. And speaking of Keenan Allen, he's back because of Justin Herbert. I mean, he literally saw 20 targets in week three. Now he leads the league in targets. He's also second in red zone targets. Jeff, I annually underestimate Keenan Allen, and I feel like I have good reasons going in every every year, but all of a sudden he is second in rock in the league through three weeks and leading the league in targets, like I already said, leading the league in target share. He also has 351 air yards. That is good for sixth. Is Keenan Allen a legit wide receiver one right now? Definitely a legit wide receiver too. Um, I I don't think he's getting 20 targets per game. So <laughs> I, I probably want to pump the brakes a little bit, especially when the quarterbacks are going to be Justin Herbert and Tyrod Taylor. But I mean, you can definitely rely on him week in and week out at this point. Um, you know, he's one of the best route runners in the NFL. So you know, those guys are always going to be able to get open and even bad quarterbacks are going to be able to find them the ball. Yeah, I mean, he's got, like I said, 32% target share, but also 38% air yard share. I would actually say, I think Keenan Allen is a pretty interesting sell-high candidate if you have someone who's a big fan. Because of the quarterback uncertainty, it's a very possible that Tyrod comes back and overtakes uh, Herbert for the lead job. That's at least what Anthony Lynn keeps signaling with his words. So when will that happen? Could it happen in week five, maybe? I don't know. Um, could it happen? Not at all. I think it probably shouldn't happen. But with that said, there's still some uncertainty here, and I don't think his value is really going to get much higher than it is right now. So Keenan Allen had a really torrid hot start last year uh, to start the season through those first three weeks and then cooled off a little bit. So maybe that's happening again. I don't know. Um, Jeff, speaking of torrid wide receiver starts, Seattle wide receivers are balling. Uh, DK Metcalf is getting a ton of love, deservedly so. Besides that fumble at the goal line that cost us a GPP win, we'll get to that. Tyler Lockett is still the wide receiver one right now. I mean, if we use the rock score, Tyler Lockett is fifth in rock, and DK Metcalf is all the way down at 20th. Now, that's not very low for DK. That's good. But, I mean, I think the public may have this conception that DK Metcalf is overtaking Tyler Lockett. I thought that might happen this year. But Tyler Lockett's still the guy. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this situation? Yeah, so... Through two weeks, I believe DK was a little bit ahead of Lockett. And then Tyler saw um, a ton of volume against Dallas this past game. DK still has more air yards 
Um, so I, I mean, it's still kind of more of a one A one B situation than it is, you know, a one and two. Um, I think it'll just be a little bit of the matchup dependent on which guy is seeing more. Um, I think on a target per target basis, uh, DK is usually going to be seeing more valuable targets further downfield. Uh, you'll probably see Lockett get um, a few more, uh, but I mean, they're just both so good. I mean, I think in, in half PPR, they're what wide receiver two and four, three and four right now. So in, as long as Russ is cooking, like these guys are just going to keep putting up like top 10, top 12 numbers. Yeah, it's it's really unbelievable. Russ is we're going to talk a little bit more about Russ, but obviously these two guys have just been so dominant early on, um, you know, as the number one and number you know, two. Options do you remember for... what Lockett's three cone time was? <laughs> Lockett or DK? <laughs> Lockett. I don't I'm remember. I mean, I'm joking. It just does oh, okay. not matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter at all. But like uh, Jalen Rager, I was like, oh, no, shitty three cone time. I'm like, I don't care. Remember DK Metcalf? I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, you just watch this guy like the way that he won against Stephon Gilmore on that over the shoulder throw from Russell Wilson. It was just it's like so obvious when you watch him, when you just put on the tape, this guy is so dominant. And the only reason he isn't seeing more volume is because Tyler Lockett is also a freaking baller. So um, anyway, moving on. Kenyon Drake has struggled a little bit to start the season. I, I I wouldn't say that either of us are that surprised because we were lower than consensus on him. Um, but I think most concerning, because, you know, he's been okay as a runner, most concerning, just five targets through three games. They talked about using him a lot more as a, as a pass catcher this year. Uh, actually, Chase Edmonds has been used a lot as a pass catcher, uh, or at least, you know, based on what I've seen. How worried are you uh, about Kenyon Drake's value, or is this just a great buy low opportunity? Because I've seen a lot of people point to Kenyon Drake saying that he is a buy low through three weeks. I lean more on the buy low side. He's still getting close to 20 carries per game, and they play Carolina this week. And Carolina has just been like um, social welfare for running backs this year. So, you know, just tw- that $1,200 stimulus check is what Carolina is to running backs. Um, I do think the lack of receiving work, those five targets through three games, I do think that is a little bit of a concern that will probably cap his ceiling between Kyler being more inclined to run than check it off to the running back and Chase Edmonds getting the actual receiving work from the running back position when that does happen. So I do think that's going to limit his ceiling, but the volume's there. You just have to be a little bit patient get right game. I mean, not that he's even played bad, but fantasy get right game this week against Carolina. If you're going to buy him, this is the week to do it. Yeah. And honestly, I think if you, if you aren't crazy about Kenny Drake and you're literally just trying to be transactional or our friend Jack is a, a big fan of, of just trading period. Um, Kenny Drake is an interesting buy and then sell right after week four. You could maybe flip him for like trade, trade James Robinson for Kenny Drake. And then, Kenny Drake goes off for like 30 points and trade him for, I don't know, someone else. But, um, you know, similar situation to Kenny Drake's is Joe Mixon. And, you know, he's seeing big rushing volume as well, but only nine targets through three weeks. However, I think tales of his demise are overblown. Um, You should, you know, you should have expected this offense to need some time to pick up steam. I think that that was obviously knowing, knowing that Joe Burrow is a rookie, albeit a great one, but a rookie nonetheless. Um, This offensive line needed time to mesh after, you know, undergoing some changes, adding Jonah Williams again. And the COVID 
shortened off season just adds some uncertainty. So I don't think this is really outside of the realm of like expectation for this team. Uh, but many are fed up with Mixon. I think he is a big time buy low. Jeff, do you agree with me? Yep, 100%. Good. Okay. Um, now, we're going to talk about a not fantasy football storyline, but I think one that we enjoy talking about, and that is who is your MVP right now? It's a it's a kind of a moot point, right? Like last year, we were talking Russell Wilson the same way. Uh, Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson, I think, was, uh, you know, Still was in the race, obviously, but hadn't run away with it um, quite yet. Uh, Jeff, I think the top three is pretty obvious. I think it's Russ, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes. Any issues with those top three? And and if not, you know, who is your pick right now? Um, it's Russ, I think. Or it's, I mean, it's easily Russ. I mean, obviously, over the course of the season, I would say it's probably it's between Russ and Mahomes. And if Allen keeps this up, obviously, he'll be in the conversation. That I would say, uh, I guess a little regrettably, Aaron Rodgers deserves to be in that group with those four right now because he is playing really well. But yeah, if, I mean, if we were casting MVP ballots after three weeks, it'd be Russ and like no one, I don't think anyone's close right now. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Russ is, Russ is third in the league, I believe it is, uh, fourth actually in passing yards, but leading the league in passing touchdowns. His, his interception is as fraudulent as. Josh Allen, so really neither of them have a have an interception. The other thing is PFF charted Russell Wilson with zero turnover-worthy plays through three weeks. That is so unbelievable for a guy who's thrown it 103 times, run it 14 times. That is so ridiculous. Uh, I agree with you, Jeff. I think Russell Wilson is the clear MVP right now. The, the other thing that's kind of interesting about these three, and you throw in Dak Prescott too, all of their rushing is above average for quarterbacks. Um, Dak has... 74 and three touchdowns. The others are between 80 and 90 rushing yards. Josh Allen has two rushing touchdowns. Mahomes has one. Russ has zero. Um, I think that that's really interesting, Jeff, that all of the big time quarterback um, guys in consideration for the MVP are also using their legs on the ground. Do you think this is just kind of a sign of the times? Yeah, I think it is. And you have a lot more quarterbacks these days just seem to be more athletic. So um, you you almost... And being able to run the ball opens up the offense differently. Um, I mean, like even Lamar, like because they the court the defense has to account for that, it just changes the math with the linebacker and spy or whatever, and it helps open things up downfield. It's part of part of it for sure. Yeah, I mean, two guys we didn't even mention that are definitely you know sniffing, if not actually in the conversation. That's Kenyon. Uh, sorry, Kyler Murray. And Cam Newton, um, Kyler Murray, 187 rushing yards and four touchdowns. Cam Newton, 149 and four touchdowns. Obviously, good passers of the football, but not quite as prolific as the other guys we've been talking about. I just think that it's cool that we're seeing basically everyone, including Patrick Mahomes, who's, who's probably not going to keep up this this rate of rushing. Um, but people sleep on his ability to run the football. It's not just Patrick Mahomes, or it's not just Lamar Jackson. It's not just Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott. You know, it's just really cool. I think because it opens up a lot of things and. Um, it's, it's a, a sign of the times, um, Jeff, I think it is time to plug our DFS results from last week. Obviously we've been talking about our DFS lineup generator and optimizer tool that is on contestedcatch.com. That's contestedcatch.com forward slash DFS. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, Jeff talked about it last week. He made some big improvements to it, um, making it more customizable. And I mean, I thought it went really well this week. Um, 
Jeff, why don't you break the news? What did we finish out of 37,000 entrants in the GPP tournament we were in? We finished 32nd with our best entry. Wow, 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 wow. So close, Jeff. So, so close. close to breaking so through. Close. What, what, what were we, 12th? Was it overall at one point with comments oh, left? Um, I think we peaked at like 17th. 17th, then okay. The, the, no, that lineup didn't have the Colts defense. Mm. And then I know I just know the one who won that tournament had uh, Colts DST. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so I mean, th- that lineup was, we ended up with the Bills game stack of Josh Allen. And then he had him stacked with Tyler Croft, tight end two on the week. I mean, like very few people, like 0.1% ownership, I think. Mm-hmm. And then ran it back with Cooper Cup. And then we just did the double. That one gave us double Seattle of Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. We know how that oh, went. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Miles Sanders, Mike, who is like the weak point of that lineup, Mike Davis, Jeff Wilson Jr., and Atlanta defense. I feel like we've seen this the past like past like two weeks. Um, Miles Sanders had 41% ownership in this tournament. And like you said, he was the weak point of the defense. Um, I mean, he scored more than the Falcons D, but obviously it costs more. Um, I mean, we were talking a little bit more about like, should we be okay with being chalky at running back? Does this like, you know, is this just an outlier that the chalk is is struggling? Um, and we should, you know, continue to fire it up, or is this kind of like maybe something you're taking away from this week? Um, I guess it's just you gotta just kind of go matchup by matchup. Um, I mean, going with just off of these two weeks is kind of, you know, small sample size because I mean I haven't really looked at next week's slate, but I mean sometimes the chalk does hit. So, I mean, I think we we were still like underweight on Miles Sanders as a whole. I think so. Like the process wasn't awful, but you also don't want usually I like don't want to a hundred percent fade it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I mean, and let's be clear too, Miles Sanders did not have a bad week. In fact, it was really good uh from like season long perspective. It just he just barely missed on what probably would have been like something like a fifty yard receiving touchdown. Sure. A couple other things didn't go his way. So and then you know, the DK probably, fumble cost us the like DK eight fumble. Points. Yeah, that really could have put us over the yeah. edge. I mean, I was going through a, hand, a good amount of those lineups ahead of us also had, had DK. DK. So, like, yeah. you know, it would have propelled us probably into the top 20, but definitely not the top 10. Right. But I think either way, what's really encouraging is that this tool is working. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and guys, remember, like, if you haven't played DFS and you keep hearing us talk about it, you're like, what the heck is this thing? Check out the tool, you know, just play around with it a little bit. And then consider going to DraftKings or FanDuel or one of these sites that hosts DFS tournaments um, and put in a lineup. You can put them in for free. You can put them in for 25 cents. One thing I like to do is like first thing Sunday morning, I'll just make a bunch of lineups and like 25 cent tournaments and just submit them and see which ones I like and then kind of, you know, go from there. But um, obviously we've got a a more mathematical process for uh, our bigger entries as well. But Generally, the point is give it a shot. It's a fun way to get a get a dog in every fight, basically. Um, and it's it's you know you can make some pretty damn good money too. You see it all over Twitter on fans or on uh, Sundays um, to see people's GPP polls and all that. So um, yeah, well, good job, Jeff. Good job, Generator <laughs> Jeff Jefferator. Maybe we should call it that. The DFS line of Jefferator. <laughs> good job, math. Good job, math. Yank twenty twenty. Um, Bill's breakdown time, Jeff. It's time. Uh, I think it's safe to say that we called week three Buffalo uh, versus the Rams 
pretty damn close. Um, I said it'd be higher scoring than people expected and a good game, but Bills by a hair and Josh Allen to Tyler Croft, the seconds left, was just that. They obviously smashed the over. Uh, the second half collapse after early domination was concerning for sure. I think you're going to hear a lot of people criticize that, but I think we, the other thing we have to take into consideration is that the Rams were underperforming in the first half. So them storming back in the second half, I think, was understandable to some degree. I think generally there you can tell that this team is still not like fine tuned. You can tell that they're still not in championship form, but they held on. They obviously went down to the Rams in the second half. And then Josh Allen had that touchdown pass uh, preceded by the questionable, if not just downright bad uh, pass interference call. You know, that's not to bring in all the other contexts that happened in that game. But Jeff, Josh Allen is now thrown for over 300 yards in every game this season with four touchdown passes in back-to-back games. He only has one interception on the year, and that was not an interception. Uh, Go look it up if you haven't already. We knew we needed to take another step to take the Bills to the next level. I think it's safe to say he's taken strides and strides. He has looked like a whole new player with still that same gunslinger playmaker ability. What were your takeaways from week three against the Rams? Um, I mean, I thought he played fantastic. Uh, Dable dialed up a really strong game plan again. Uh, we did, when things started getting a little choppy, we saw a little bit of that old Josh of kind of trying to make something out of nothing and putting the ball at risk. But, you know, he settled down then when he needed to. And I mean, look, this is going to be one of the toughest games of the year between, you know, Jay and Ramsey. Maybe he's a little bit overrated, but he's still a really good player. And Aaron Donald on the inside is the, you know, probably the best defensive player in the NFL. And he was giving us trouble. I mean, Josh is just out there stiff arming um, some of the, you know, top defensive tackles, like running away. Maybe he got that face mask on one, but so like quarterbacks don't do that. And we were seeing like tremendous growth out of him. So yeah, we went from mostly winning games with him last year to now winning games because of him. And that's the step that you needed uh, your young quarterback to take and for the, your franchise guy to do. The offense overall has looked very strong. Um, And Devin Singletary had a really nice week without Zach Moss there as well. Um, What were your takeaways from the defensive side of the ball? Because obviously that is where, you know, the bills have been lauded for a long time now is how this defense has been built. So look, I mean, McVay's one of the best X's and O's offensive coaches in the league. Uh, we knew he was going to find a way to attack us, especially with um, Milano and Edmonds probably not being a hundred percent. I don't think Edmonds, he was in a red non-contact Jersey the whole week. And then Hyde went out with the injury. So I mean, I'm not that concerned. We definitely can't be giving up six yards to carry game in and game out. And on that front, I do think we're missing star Udalele in the middle a little bit. And that Harrison Phillips is probably not hundred percent back from the ACL injury that he suffered last year. That's really the only concern I have on that defense. Otherwise the Rams are a good team. Good teams are going to get theirs. And we do have a handful of more good teams coming up in Kansas city and Seattle. So know what we're going to see some more of that and it's good to know that our quarterback looks like he can hang with them indeed and jeff how exciting was it to see gabriel davis the rookie out of ucf come in and make some splash plays just i mean just was a really exciting presence uh out there in week three what are your thoughts on this kid uh it's awesome he's looking like uh you know second third round pick right now so if you told me that we a got stefan diggs 
and then B got another starting NFL wide receiver on day three. I mean, I don't even care what happens with the other draft picks at that point. That's a winning draft. It's exciting, man. It's an exciting time to be a Bills fan. We've been talking a lot about how, um, you know, Buffalo is is built to win and that we really just needed Josh Allen to take us there. He's taken us there. Um, I'm really excited to see this team face off against Cam Newton and the Patriots and some of these other matchups we have later in the year. So, Jeff, any final thoughts as we turn ahead to uh, week four here? Uh, let's go Yankees. Let's go Yankees, baby. Playoffs start tonight. It's the most important event in Cleveland tonight. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, great, great pitching matchup. We're obviously both Yankees fans. And so now a couple of reminders for you all listening. Uh, reminder, tune in for our rock episode this week. Obviously, it's the debut of that. Kyle Singer will be on. We're excited to have that. Uh, our weekly preview on Fridays that is still coming out this Friday. That's a, a place where you can hear our DFS preview, our talk about all kinds of matchups and, and storylines going into the weekend, as well as injury reports and coverage as well. Sign up for the contested catch up. That is obviously our weekly newsletter. It comes out every Thursday morning. Uh, we think that's going to be a really, really awesome piece of content that we're doing all season long. With that said, we hope you've enjoyed. Thank you all for tuning in. Good luck, and we will catch you next time. Thank you.